to Death Sentence. Uh, this is the Patreon exclusive, but we will put it out online for the rest of you. So uh, if you are not a Patreon subscriber just yet, then you can be. That's that's allowed. Um, I think it's, it's good, actually, because then you give us money and we can spend it on not drugs. I think they bought We that. won't buy any DMT, no spirit molecules. We won't no. go on a shamanic journey to the center of the soul? Definitely not. I won't buy a single sword, I promise. Even though the uh, shop at the mall that does mostly like knife sharpening uh, is doing like tons of anime swords right now. It's just great. I, I won't spend any money on that. It's all going to like uh, books and stuff. I'm surprised uh, that people who do DMT don't wind up buying more swords online. Like, do they not know that you can look at sick-ass, goofy anime swords online while you're, while you're hopped up on, hopped up to your ball sack on uh, the spirit molecule? I don't know. Or do people you think are, they're scared of swords at that point? Uh, I guess. I mean, you're in like hyperspace. You're talking to machine elves. <laughs> you don't want to be going there with, with swords. And, and plus, people just generally aren't as smart as we are, so they don't make the connection. <laughs> so they forget how the internet works. Exactly. Um, but we've got some some guests with us today, and they're a band you will have heard on the show before if you've been listening to literally every episode. Um, we love them. Yeah, they're fucking amazing. Uh, they deserve more press than they get because. I mean, it's not like they're a totally unknown, obscure band. They they work with, you know, some of the biggest names in the extreme metal industry, at least. But you know, I want to get them more out there than they are because they're, they're they should be huge. Um, they are Imperial Triumphant from New York City, New York. Uh, say hi, boys, and introduce yourselves. Hey there! Thanks for having us so much. Uh, this is Zachary Ilya Ezrin, the guitarist and singer. Hey, how's it going? This is Steve Blanco, bass player, keys, keys, and other things. Cool. So, um, yeah, let, let's just assume that people at home haven't heard of you, uh, which is already assumed. Yeah, which, which means they suck because you know people rouse my you. spirit with anger. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what? So, Imperial Triumphant, just give us a an idea of what you guys sound like what what i mean yeah you're a black metal band vaguely um but what what are you i mean there's so many ways you can pitch it man uh many ways we sound exactly like if the city of new york was a black metal band but you know the elevator pitch boils down you know to something simple like Black metal, if written and composed by like Ornette Coleman and late Miles Davis, something like that. Nice. You know, that's that's what I would. You know, it's the quick one-liner of it, but it's obviously a little more deeper than that. Yeah, but... and you guys have been around for what, like almost a decade, over a decade now. I think the first uh, something I... like this, but it's truly been on the warpath since 2015 i'd say that's when we released like our first full length or mm-hmm. second full length where that's where things got serious and you know touring became more consistent and the lineup became more consistent things like this mm-hmm. cool. uh i'd say that's the real genesis so that album was abyssal gods correct 
I think, am I correct in thinking that every one of your albums has been produced by Colin Marston? You are correct. More or less, awesome. you know, he's engineered everything for us. He's probably one of the best in New York City. And oh, God. Yeah. So it's, it's just made it uh, very easy. It's it's sort of half a cliche in the like music um like journalism world that anything that Colin Marston touches will get coverage. But that's because he is, as you said, just like so goddamn good at what he does that it just like just a beautiful engineering touch. Yeah, and he's also a great musician and he's a great Oh guy. god, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, uh, your your boy here uh, wrote. Well, not your boy, but Langdon wrote a lengthy uh, dissertation in Invisible Oranges on uh, Kralis's work. Oh uh, yeah, it's, um... cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I saw that. Mick Master was tripping about that. That's pretty uh, well written, man. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, you probably run into this too. As much as I love like big dumb goofy metal zines, like just like covered in gore and shit there's also uh, a desire to see uh, metal talked about better like uh, more more eloquently more um so that uh people who should wise the fuck up to like say like a record like yours which got tons of votes like uh bio luxury got tons and tons of votes for year-end lists and w- well deserved um because it's like i don't know how someone could listen to say like uh, Diamond de Galas, like, you know, the, the rich body of experimental music in the world and you know, really satisfying art music, and then look at it and be like, nah. It's like, that's just really dumb to me. <laughs> so, Yeah. I mean, in my experience, there's not too many people that don't like us. It's just people that don't know us. <laughs> yeah, I, I found that, that too. Really- I, a, a, a brief bit of just uh, bald praise for you guys. I, I've taken to showing... Um, friends of mine who've gone to like music school or things like that pitching first what you said like the ornette coleman thing of like this is like a a jazz slash black metal band and then i pause for a second i'm like now when i say that i don't mean that they're a black metal band who's learned two jazz chords there's plenty of those and i love them but no and then i'll play the first like two or three minutes of vital luxury and just watching as they're like this is straight up a big band horn arrangement. What the? And then it that launch into the black metal where I'm like, and then pause it again and look at them and be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, it's funny. People think, some people think that we like sampled that, that intro, but it's like, nah, we just wrote it and then hired the cast to play it. I'm going to just uh, cut I'm... in. I'll just cut in the intro so people can hear it right now. But um, yeah, you've got what, like half dozen uh, brass players on here. Yeah, we have about five or six players. Yeah, something like that. Cool. So how, how do you how do you do that as musicians? Uh, do you know? Can you play these instruments? Uh, uh, do you? How do you like arrange that? Well, how does ri- it all work. You mean write like writing for them? You mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, we all 
all three of us are composers also, and we all, you know, have a pretty wide range of, you know, musical instrument knowledge. And on top of that, we also know a ton of great players here in New York from being in the scene, jazz scene, rock scene, whatever. Yeah, it was literally, I think we recorded those, those horns in about a week. It was maybe very late in the album. It was, I think the album was already due and we had missed the deadline. And then we decided that we wanted the intro to Via Luxury to be completely real horns. And we just made a bunch of calls and got them up in Colin's studio. studio and in a week later, we had live horns played by some of the best cats in the city. Yeah, one, one of the redeeming, you know, redeeming things about New York as crazy and as difficult and challenging as it is a place to live in is the fact that you have, you know, a massive pool of talent. You know, I can't remember the last time I played with a musician who really wasn't very good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, so finding the players is really a big part of it because, you know, they, they are the ones who make it sound great. Precisely. Cool. So, so there's there's kind so of cool. a conceptual shift in your work around about 2015. I mean, the the early stuff is still, um, if you listen to it back to back with your current stuff, you can definitely still hear musical lineage there. Um, but you seem to make with your second record a bigger shift towards more explicit, um, like, like. Uh, anti-capitalist sentiments and the the decay of modernity and things like that um is there is there anything in specific that caused that shift for you guys because there seemed to be like a a brief literally a very brief lull in your your release schedule of like maybe like 18 months and then coming out with that uh that second record well, I mean, the, you know, it's obviously bands are always evolving, or at least hopefully bands are always evolving, right? Yeah. And so, you know, content or subject matter on a level like what we're, you know, what we've gotten into or diving into is, you know, very big picture stuff, obviously, as, as you, you guys know. And, you know, I think it's just natural progression to just get deeper into looking at the way the world works or the way civilization has been operating for 10, 20,000 or whatever the hell the story is, you know, years, you know what I mean? So I would say that we're just trying to look at the mechanism of human civilization, you know? So, you know, try to reach for a very big, wide lens. Yeah, from the perspective of three individuals that live in the capital of the universe. I think, so uh, a very interesting thing that, that I did quite a bit about your band is that um, there are obviously plenty of great um, black metal bands that sort of expand the notion of like mechanically what black metal does and how it functions and they swap out different parts. It's not necessarily as anti-Christian. They'll swap in other, other components. The thing that I find quite intriguing about you guys is that structurally you still work near identical to the way that a black metal band works. It's literally just pivoting out uh, Christianity for the mechanisms of, of class and capital. Like, 
especially the um the sort of ingenious lifting of you guys of instead of having uh the blasphemized christian imagery instead the blasphemized art deco industry or uh, imagery of using that to replicate images of uh, classical wealth and luxury it just ugh. Oh, I'm like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm nothing. Oh, this shit's fire. Oh, damn. Like, it's like a gross, but uh, yes, agreed. It's, it's just so such an question? ingenious idea. Uh, it's just such an ingenious idea to make that kind of swamp. Oh, what, what is it about? I mean, it's it's simple. Like? You know, we live in New York City, so this kind of imagery is everywhere. You walk down Lexington Avenue, Park Avenue, Fifth Avenue. There's you look up, and there's a building that looks exactly like our masks. You know. It's really like just a, and it's something that's no one really done in black metal. And I was very aware of that when, you know, we started discussing the idea of shifting towards this art deco imagery. You know, there's not a really big Christian like presence in New York City. And I've not really ever had any Christianity getting in my way. So I really never don't really feel that this kind of anti-Christian sentiment because it's just not in my world. But I do experience a lot of New York City. So I figured just, you know, you got to write about what you know if you want it to be authentic. I'm, I mean, one could argue that it's, there, there's a, a similar thread. I mean, the Vatican is the wealthiest landowner on Earth, you know what I mean, in all civilization. So... It's kind of all connected on some sense, but we're just. I mean, Vatican's doing business. Yeah, Vatican's doing business, big business, exactly. <laughs> but we're, you know, we're like Zach said, like Ilya said, we we grew up in New York, so for us, it 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 doesn't make sense for us to sing about fjords in Norway, for example. You know what I mean, right? Because like... we we don't. That's not. We don't really know that. You know, even though we like a lot of bands. Yeah, like shitting on Christianity. I don't give a shit about Christianity. I don't go, yeah, I don't it's, it's not. It's not really. It's not really <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not really in the equation, so to speak, in 2019, in the way that what you know what we're looking at. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So, if that makes sense. No, totally. And you know, those like second wave Norwegian black metal bands. They they live in Sweden anyway, in Norway. They were. Those aren't very Christian countries, even compared to the U.S. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think a band like Behemoth, they come across as very authentic because from what I've heard, we were just touring with this Polish band, uh, Morda Stigmata, who are great. And uh, they were telling us all this so much political drama uh, with the church. And I guess it's such a powerful figure and it has such a strong political presence. I can now understand where you get bands like Behemoth, where all they do is yeah. sing about the devil, all they do is hate Christianity, because that's that's their fucking world. Mm. Yeah, and there's bands from like uh, Iran who they do basically the same thing, but for Islam. Yeah, that like, all makes Shaitan sense. And yeah, totally makes sense there. But in Sweden, you like IKEA is a bigger uh, <laughs> influence on the civilization than the Christianity up there. But um, yeah, so I want to ask you about. Like New York, because I mean, that's the I've way, buddy. For... <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been there I for like talk eight about hours. New York all day. Good, because I've been there for like eight hours of my life. I did total tourist shit, like Times Square. Um, like, Worst I place to... on earth. 
Yeah, Times Square is a nightmare. No self-respect in New Yorker spends any quality time in Times Square. <laughs> I bet, yeah. I, I... <laughs> no, I know you know that. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I saw a bit of Central Park, then I had to get on a plane. So right. yeah, what's what's New York like for you? Because I, I mean, I could get a really good image of it from your music, but like... That's pretty much like the music. <laughs> it's a lot like the music, yeah. So, I mean, how... How do you like live there in uh, and be a musician? Like, One day at a time. Yeah, it's stupid expensive and like the I amount mean, of this time. This is the city, you know, not technically not really meant for artists. This is a city built for commerce and trade mm. and the exchange of money and goods. And that's primarily what this city does best. And it's just like a, I think a, subsequent uh effect of you know having millions of people combined in one area that the exchange of ideas breeds this huge burst in art and photography and music and you know for decades we've had some of the best music in the world coming from this city and it's Mm -hmm. because you know everyone living together and exchanging ideas and stuff but it's definitely never been easy for musicians and artists to live here, but nobody, nobody's, you know, trying to live easy. We're trying to make it to the top. That's why people move here. Yeah, I mean, Ilya and I are from here, so it's a little different, but a lot of people here, they come here from somewhere else and they go through the machine. Yeah. You know? and, oh. and a lot of them get wrung out and churned through the gears and then shit out to go somewhere else you know because it's really you know it's not an easy place to to live you know extremely yeah and it is largely a shithole you know what i mean it's a giant place with one of the most densely populated places on planet earth and it's you know it's a it's a it can be a dark very dark place you know but but the the flip side of it is that there are energies and things that happen here that you know are pretty unique you know like like this band for example i feel is you know product of new york yeah i i i've I've played a lot of music and been in many bands but you know this band is definitely something that really i feel can only germinate in a place you know not may not maybe not only new york city but a place like new york city you know yeah yeah it reminds me a bit of um some some thoughts that someone like Eugene Thacker or other um like object oriented ontology figures have about like the psychogeography of, of cities um and the way that we sometimes glamorize um the human component of the city and and to be fair we should like the communities of real living working breathing people that give high population density areas life but on the same hand we sometimes get wrapped up especially more like the neoliberal end of the discourse in thinking that that means that cramming people together in that kind of way um especially with the power structures that ensnare them is somehow good because we get the good art out of it and so i find it sort of refreshing to hear from from someone like you that it's like no this is a weird side aerial benefit but like it almost has to come out as something like black metal to address the, like, the shibboleth well, spirit of the city. <laughs> yeah, 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 Langdon. That, that's actually a great point because 
you know, I, I, we can, there are, there are so many artists that have come out of New York that have painted some of the darkest pictures known to man. I mean, a great example is the filmmaker Stanley Kubrick. You know I mean? He grew up in New oh, York God. City. He's from New York City, and I consider him to be kind of like the Michelangelo of the 20th century, you know? And he, you know, if you really start getting into the coding that's involved in, in his pictures, I mean, that's some of the darkest shit I've ever seen. I mean, 2001, which is a film that's rated G, is probably the darkest film ever made, you know what I mean? And, and it's, it's funny because people don't necessarily see it that way. It's kind of what you're saying about how they, they glamorize things or glorify things, you know? Hmm. Cool. So, yeah, we're about up to halfway. So before we come in to talk about uh, the graphic novel that accompanies uh, the new album, let's just, uh, let's just get some one song that you would say is kind of like your touchstone. Not necessarily an Imperial Triumphant song, though it can be, but like your one song that, that helps, that would help people get you. And it can't be New York, New York. <laughs> I don't think that would be the song anyway. But um, <laughs> that would be funny as fuck. <laughs> yeah, it would, yeah, I mean, it would be. I mean, hey, listen, you know, Frank Sinatra was a pretty dark guy, actually. So, you know. Yeah. Do you want like a heavy metal song? Doesn't have to be. I mean, probably best it's not like Carly Ray Jepsen or anything, because then we'll get sued. But uh... I think that's. Yeah, we're not going to pick this one. Uh, I think maybe Portal. Yeah, let's pick a Portal song. Yeah, how about a Portal song off of um, Vex of Void? Yeah. Sorry, which album? Vex of Void. Oh, Vex of Void. Okay. Yeah, well. We really like Portal. Yeah, we're, we're big fans. Let's yeah, that's, that's probably yeah, one of the. Plasm yeah. is sick. Plasm. How about Plasm? We love that plasm song. Plasm is sick. Okay, definitely. Okay. Plasm of Vex Void by Portal. Do check them out. Awesome.
I'm imagining now a hypothetical man who who hears Portal and he tells me after hearing Portal, I don't like that. It's a bit too murky. I can't understand them. And you think you know where I'm going with this, but here's the twist. He's wearing he's wearing a periphery shirt in my imagining, and I'm so angry. <laughs> I've thought this now, and now I'm very angry. <laughs> oh, I don't even mean that to shit on periphery. They do what they do, and that that's fine. But just the person, you know what I'm talking about—that kind of person. Yeah, I love like, yeah, God. Yeah. And then they, you know, it's hard. Of course, of course. Like anything that hasn't had the ultra slick production value. I'm like, yeah. I want to trap you in a vault for 60 years. Hopefully, at the end of your vault time, you'll understand what you've done. <laughs> well, I think to understand Portal is crucial that you understand like their kind of like what they're singing about you know they have this lovecraftian theme that they've built their brand upon and when you understand and you if you read those books and short stories by lovecraft and you think about what you know the audio version like the song version of those books would sound like it sounds exactly like portal mm you know, mysterious and murky and, you know, his writings, they're never going to release like the exact, explain the exact thing to you. And that's exactly what Portal does. They just give you these murky glimpses of what they're diving into. I think it's brilliant. It's also music about, about the affect, which is like the, really the, like the mechanical guts of any art. We sometimes get tricked into thinking that it's like, the lyrics of something or the explicit like uh like explicit images but exactly it's 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 more the the timbre and the mood and the sort of resonant exactly. spaces in your head and it's hard to listen to portal and not be like fuck i'm freaking oh shit <laughs> and it's like yeah that's yeah. what they want it's exactly. also mystifying to me yeah. when you run into writers who like don't seem to care about like the iconography or like the cover art of a record it's like you know the band picked this on purpose right like Jesus, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter at all. Everyone just have an MS Paint cover. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's something that we, an Imperial Triumphant, you know, keep in our heads all the time. You know, it's not what you play, but how you play and why you play it. Hmm. And a lot of the stuff we write, maybe it's coming from that mentality. So we're not thinking about. Oh, I have to write the most original guitar riff. No, but we, but we, but we are thinking about creating a sound as a band, you know, exactly. which, is, which is something that I think gets lost the way maybe a lot of musicians operate, you know. But I think great bands like Portal, for example, they have an absolute sound. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, there, and, there's a clear idea of like. It, this is a portal record and we can pivot and do different directions of that. But there's a gut element of like, this is portal. Exactly. There's a, there's a sonic energy that is going to hit you no matter what they do. Only when each, you know, instrument is doing its job, does the machine come to life. You know what I mean? As opposed to like an artist who's also amazing, like Yngwie Malmsteen, but he is the band. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter who's on bass. It doesn't matter who's on drums. That doesn't matter. It's about him. <laughs> you you don't pay to go see Ingve Malmsteen's keyboard player. Exactly. Right, right, exactly. So there's I mean both great artists, but there's a, there there's like kind of two great examples. 
Yeah. So, so from that direction, where, um, where for you guys does this, uh, like new graphic novel companion to the record fit in? Like what compelled, like the desire to have, did this come about at the same time as the record and just production delays pushed it back or was this a relatively new, um, no, not exactly. It was, we were on tour in, in August or September or something with, uh, Wada and Panzerfaust and, you know, we were playing a lot of shows, getting great reaction, and we kept getting messages and emails from fans that had done, you know, fan art, drawings and paintings and stuff with different, from different styles with different medium, and we, it all looked so cool, and then I think we were, like, just discussing it, like, it would be really cool to do a, a graphic novel that was sort of like a visual representation of the music. And the more we started talking about it, the more we kind of started, you know, on our downtime, reaching out to artists and making a collection of people we want to do each chapter. And, you know, it kind of works as a, a glory, like a embellished uh, CD booklet almost, where each chapter represents a song and is something you might, you know, be reading while you're listening to the album that's the intensive purpose yeah like an extension of the experience intended <laughs> that's a that's a really um that's a really satisfying idea that sort of reminds me of the the thing that uh, pretty much everyone who likes music talks about of being lost with um for all the like honest to god great shit about um streaming and bandcamp and things like that in terms of being able to access so much fucking great music that normally would have been super obscure and being able to get that literally anywhere um losing the thing of like uh the first time i opened up the lp version of yes songs the live record by yes finding out that it was a triple gate fold so it was like three different big ass uh like 24 inch uh by 12 inch paintings and just like the the ability to get lost in something like that while listening to a record, or like the first time you open up a vinyl copy of like The Wall, and yeah, yeah, exactly. And so to have a parallel like that for you guys, that, that's a really neat idea. Thank yeah, you. yeah, a way to keep the album experience going. You know what I mean? It, because it is definitely it does get lost the way things are right now. I think so, sometimes we um we we have these uh strange kinds of overextensions from from certain groups i'm not gonna name them but i've gotten promos of stuff and looked at them where they're like oh let's have this graphical kind of and it it shoots off into like a wild blue yonder and you're like what why what and so i think that that's that's also a really ingenious idea to ground the work and make it um that it's still just like a good record cover or just like a good um, bit of set design for for a live show. It's meant to feed into that still core thing oh, of absolutely. Imperial Triumphant. I think it does help. You know the the first the first time you hear Imperial Triumphant, and maybe you're not such a veteran listener of this extremely challenging style to have some context of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And I think that really helps people go, oh, it's the New York you know kind of theme based around this music that explains now i can get in that headspace you know and that i think helps uh 
or is enforced by the artwork and the you know extreme varieties of art that we are presenting and so the graphic novel itself uh what what's it about what's the is there a story to it is it uh well we it? wanted to we didn't really i'll be honest we didn't have enough time to develop an entire story because that's a lot of work and i think we might eventually go down that line but at the moment what it is is it's a collection of works and we let each artist kind of build it themselves mm-hmm. we wanted it to be we didn't want to be bossing people around and telling them you know talented people what to do you know we hired them because they're talented so that's you know so we basically said here's the song you we you know we picked each song for each artist and we said this is your set amount of pages and you we want you to listen to the song and create what feels natural and and what they presented was pretty amazing yeah everyone exceeded our expectations and i'd say it's it's more like eight small stories because each each chapter is based on a song each song is about a different concept so yeah, just there's a there's a thread that runs through the entire thing obviously because the album is that way and the content of the, of the, our music is that way but each artist definitely it's a song and it's its own vision they're all uh, yeah they're all pretty i mean they get i love it because it's just so each chapter is so different some are extremely colorful some are just black and white pointless and there's so many different techniques and it's really cool ways of you know doing some of this digital arts you know everything is just so interesting and different and uh i think yeah if it's if it you know it's if it sells well then okay we'll look into doing like a a proper narrative so you guys like uh, graphic novel fans or i mean who who do you like in in that space uh, uh we need kenny here for this i mean our drummer's more of a graphic novel yeah, fan yeah, than yeah. we are I don't, we like the we like graphic novels. I mean, we like all creative things that are executed well. You know. Yeah, I don't have any. I don't know any graphic novelists. Yeah, that's cool. You're not missing out much. Many are bad. But, uh... <laughs> I like them quite a bit, but unfortunately, that is true. It's like yeah. any medium where it's like uh, at first you're you get wowed by some like absolutely fucking incredible work. Oh my god! I should dive into this, and then you you forget that all art is roughly the same, and that there's a vast majority of really bad work. And you you're like, oh fuck! I forgot. Shit! Oh, this sucks so much. Oh shit! <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I guess uh, it would be kind of difficult. I would imagine maybe the Japanese have some cool shit. Uh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. Well, actually, probably. I mean, I think this is my hot take here. I think we we give like manga. A bit of a, like a, uh, we make we 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 critically put them on kind of easy mode. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, if you like sit down and read some of this stuff, a lot of it's just as as garbage as your average like Avengers comic, right? And there's a lot of like stealing tropes and a lot of like recycling other people's work and yeah, they just have cool motorcycles and shit in there though, you know? Yeah, they do have motorcycles. <laughs> Oh man, can you imagine like a metal band that was in those did what you guys do but for Tokyo? It'd be, that would, uh, be so baller. That would be yeah, maybe so we cool. should do a that'd be pretty sick. Maybe we should do a manga. <laughs> yeah, do it. 
I'm straight up going to say that I would read the fuck out of that. Like, yeah, I, I don't yeah. think I'd be able to have a critical thought during it. I think I'd just, just be like, like a, a yo, this shit's fire. <laughs> an unapologetic Imperial Triumphant Metropolis manga. Yeah, that, that, maybe, maybe. do it. Yeah, I, I'm, 100, I'm so on board with that. I'm so 100% about that. <laughs> Get a pen and paper. I'm going to give you my credit card number and as <laughs> much money as you want to make this happen. It's fine well, if it's I go bankrupt. That's okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so you guys have been on tour pretty recently. Are, are you touring again? Are you recording again? Uh, what, what's up next yeah. to the band? We got a uh, West Coast tour starting in Portland on August 2nd, going all the way down to Los Angeles on August 11th. Definitely look at look at our website. Check out the dates. It's going to be a wild tour. We're touring with Colin Marston's "Behold the Octopus." Oh, oh my god, I fucking love that band. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they were active again. Oh, they're active. Yep. Oh shit. Well, it's it should be it should be pretty cool. It's going to be savage. Yeah. And then in, oh shit yeah. And then in November we have uh, wait when is this airing? Uh, like. Uh, let's say Wednesday. Um, well, it's mu- it's very likely that we'll have announced this by then, but we're planning on a, a European tour for November. Nice. They, around the the dates of our announced uh, festival shows. Yeah, there's Damnation a Festival. Yeah, Damnation in Leeds. We'll be at Tyrant Festival in France. And so we'll be doing a lot of Western. European countries. You come to Manchester by any chance? Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know the date. Oh. <laughs> go to London. Take that, Gary. We're doing London uh, and we're Bristol. Doing, yeah, we're doing London and Bristol and Leeds. Oh, well, Bristol and Leeds suck. Come to Manchester. <laughs> Leeds, is, Leeds is just bad Manchester. It's, it's like forty <laughs> minutes. It's like forty miles away. It's smaller. Gareth, this isn't how show booking works. <laughs> well, that, that, you got to talk to Damnation Fest. Yeah, yeah, tell them. I'm gonna DM them. I mean, so, so one thing I want to bring up is that I, I was really satisfied around the the release of Via Luxury one. Uh, you guys had an interview. I forget what uh, magazine it was for, but they're asking like, "Oh, so you you you're citing a jazz influence on this? What are some jazz records?" And then. You guys dropped some real head shit jazz records. I was like, damn, these guys actually listen to jazz. Fuck. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. I just wanted to clue people in. More clue listeners in. You obviously know that you listen to jazz. You're the ones listening to jazz. But. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, we, we do. We, we actually <laughs> love the music. And yeah. We're and we, we, also, we also play it. We also play it. Yeah, we do play in the city. Like, so like I told you, I just came from a brunch kid. Yeah, yeah we got when we actually play for real. Yeah. But oh, yeah, shit. we're not trying to technically be a jazz black metal band. Not at all. We're just playing black metal in, in like the New York style. Yeah. Well, the thing is, as a musician, you're influenced by all your influences. You know, so whatever's genuinely music that you're passionate about is going to 
get incorporated into what you do. Exactly. So it's really, it's not even that we're trying, we're not trying to do any of this stuff. It's, uh, it's that's just the, the way we do music, you know? And I think that's why people understand that what we do with File Luxury is not forced. We're not trying to incorporate these influences, but we're definitely trying to make it work. Yeah, damn right. Yeah, there, there's this, there's a sense when you're transitioning from the jazzier moments into the more black metal moments that, unlike, again, not naming names, there are certain prog bands that are known for what feels like shoehorning in, like, oh, now let's have a bluegrass riff or something like that, and you're like, and it feels a bit like not good, shocking, but like, like you don't know how to transition ideas, and for you guys, that that really isn't the case. Like, I really can't. Yeah, I Emphasize right. listeners enough. Right. It's such a real play on you. It's It'll be cool. And I know we never do something that we didn't feel we didn't exactly what we really are. Yeah, there's such a strong thread of the of emotional logic. To your to your yeah it was pretty deep playing that song over there and then having people comment afterwards to us about how it made them feel yeah Cool. Have you seen the, the TV show, Chernobyl? I have not yet. I heard, I heard it's good. Well. I heard it's good. It's, yeah. uh, it's loosely based on that Alexievich uh, book, um, Voices of Chernobyl or Voices from Chernobyl. The, um, it's a Nobel Prize winning uh, like, oh, wow. nice. journalist slash interviewer who mostly does like oral histories of things by going and... Mm-hmm talking to a million people related to different events or um, incredible, incredible writer. And uh, m- probably one of the most depressing books I've ever read. Um, Cause it's just these super very real um, descriptions uh, from, from people who like lost a spouse. So like the things in the show are very, very lightly embroidered, but they're all, if you've read the book that it's based on, you can pretty quickly grab like, oh, that's from that interview with a person who literally had this happen to someone they love or who literally did that. And she interviewed them before they died of cancer. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty dark event, man. There's kind of a way around it, you know? Yeah. It's a pretty bleak event. So why why include that on a a, a New York-based album? Well, I mean... I don't know. It sounded cool. 
<laughs> there's no uh there's no like rules we're not gonna be like oh we can't do this song because it didn't happen in new york like whatever you know it's it's a, something that i think i think we nailed capturing that bleakness hmm. and i'm right you know it's it's i wouldn't even say it's a new york based album we're a new york based band so everything hmm. we do is gonna have that new york on yeah, it. we could we could write a really bleak song about Los Angeles too. You know, yeah, like, like, LA is super dark. Man. Yeah. Oh yeah. In fact, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll do an LA record at yeah. some point. You know. But you know, it's you know the next record that we are working on now. A lot of the songs are about New York, but maybe not all of them. It's not. We don't. We're never gonna like. You know, uh, corral ourselves into one thing one of the benefits of a loose concept versus a hard concept yeah yeah the other benefit is that people are more drawn to the loose concept they they're more it draws in place to their curiosity if you you explain everything to someone immediately then they go okay got it but if you (laughs) yeah interpretation is kind of a big part of art you know exactly and that's why I think it's, you know, leaving some parts of what we do more abstracted, it draws people in and it gets them curious and they start coming up with their own ideas and filling in the cracks. And people always telling us oh, what they think our lyrics are about. I love that. Yeah, well, that's mm-hmm. great. They're all wrong. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, and people like making, al- making like art out of a band. I don't, I don't hear that much. Um, yeah, I think that's really cool. Yeah, there's, I, I don't think there's many bands out there that I can imagine getting like, like sitting down and making a painting out of your work. People like, are getting tattoos of our logo just because it's such a, you know, it's very Art Deco. It's just like something you yeah, see at the nice. Waldorf Astoria. Oh, uh, yeah, actually, that, that I was, there was something else I wanted to say regarding the whole Art Deco thing. It's like the other side of it is that it also looks really cool. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's God, yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah, you can't, you know, it's undeniably incredibly amazing design, right? So, you know, there's, there's a superficial side to things, too, that is, I think, important in creative work. And I don't think black metal bands have tapped into how wild Art Deco can get because so many people feel more comfortable in what's already been done. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, that's where we get the, the wackest uh, critique of uh, newer black metal and black metal adjacent groups like XI and Deaf Heaven and all, all kinds of groups like that, where it's like, oh, well, they're not doing... It's like, yeah, but, like, shut the fuck up. This isn't rocket science. The songs are dope, and the art is cool. Like, what? Like, how is this so hard? Yeah, like, yeah, I'm enjoying it, but like, I, that's not the point. Be like, what? What is the point then? What is the point? It's intellectually and emotionally satisfying. What else is the fucking point? To be cult and true. <laughs> I need to impress a dude who lives in a basement. Yeah, it was maybe dead. <laughs> maybe literally the guy dead from mayhem. Okay, to be fair, impressing dead from mayhem is a pretty cool thing to do if you're a black metal band. I just straight up like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that 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 would work, I think. If a deceased vocalist mayhem comes back from the dead to tell you your black metal band is good, it's probably a really good band. You brought a man back from the dead. <laughs> That's pretty good. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty that's good. That's high price. <laughs> you guys could get like a like an old jazz man to come back from the dead and be like, you, you catch the swing in I mean, something? I don't know. We got a four and a half, uh, four stars out of five in Jazz Wise magazine. You're uh, pretty English good. Yeah. yeah, which is nice. a it's, that's a jazz magazine. Big British jazz about, magazine. Uh, black metal record. Years and years. So, yeah. you know, that's fair. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's kind of cool, cool to be included in there, you know, considering <laughs> what we did. Wow. I mean, I yeah, so we didn't go on a jazz record at yeah, all. <laughs> yeah, it's not a jazz record, but, you know, hey, that's cool. Well, like, as a counter comment, I, I talk about, I'm, I, I write about jazz too, and sort of a recurrent problem in the jazz world is the sense that, um, there is a whole rack of people just like any other um extreme metal actually suffers from the exact same problem who say the first point that everyone agrees with which is you got to respect the classic stuff and you're like yeah it's great it's great stuff and they're like yeah and anything modern is bad and you're like wait what you're like you you know that will kill jazz right and they're like no no shut up it, shut it the all, fuck up it already killed it it already killed it man yeah i mean that's the thing it's it, you know everything when, whenever something becomes an institution it just deteriorates from the inside out and it's not it's not the fans that kill it it's the it's the machine that kills itself right yes and mm. and in the jazz world the thing that is why new jazz a lot of it isn't good is because of the same things that you're talking about with all the metal bands it's just because it's copies of copies you know mm. not that there isn't some great players and great music out there of course i'm sure there is you know but it becomes a copy and a lot of jazz got stuck, you know, after the late Miles Quintet, late 60s, basically, with Herbie, Ron, Tony, and, uh, and, and Wayne Shorter, you know, like one of the greatest jazz bands that ever existed, mm -hmm. got kind of stuck there because, you know, it's kind of difficult to not get stuck there because they were so damn good and their music was so <laughs> damn good. You know? So it's a tough spot. So, yeah, I, I wanted to ask for, you know, Give, give us some of those like real heads jazz recommendations. Like, what what are four four albums that like someone like me who's like heard some Miles Davis and Ornette Coleman, but is not like not oh like God, a, a Gareth, I'm gonna beat the fuck out of you. Is this how you tell me that you don't <laughs> well, really know jazz? You know what? You know, I, know, I know some jazz. No, I, actually, I'm gonna fight you. <laughs> actually, it's not bad. It's not a bad thing to. To, to do that it, it's a difficult question to answer obviously because there's so much great music you know but mm. but it's it's not a bad thing to try to you know gauge some content or real deep music you know and you know one album i would say to start with is nefertiti by miles davis mm. yeah my favorite one yeah that's probably you know that's top shelf you know that's yeah. like the best tequila you could ever have that's like you know that's <laughs> that's greatest champagne that's the in, plaza in the world you know what i mean right if there's a rainy day it is so hard not to put on nefertiti because that opening <laughs> when, the, when the horns finally split for the first time oh my god that sounds like it's I raining love, outside I love, that, I love that shit and there's a story behind that too i don't know if it's true but that that they that wasn't done on purpose they kind of just drifted and just kept it happening God, that's another so one would be, uh, and you know what? It's even cooler, right? <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Because <laughs> Miles was only into one take. He was, he was very. You had to get it done, and that was it. What it didn't matter. Like that's it. Got to capture the energy the way it is. 
Funny story, David Lee Roth actually has the same stance because of Miles Davis. David Lee Roth is a massive, like, legit, deep jazz fan. And for I, all of his bands, for all of his bands, he was like, if you can't do it in two takes, you can't do it. And <laughs> people were like, he would play with Steve Vai, and Steve Vai would be like, what the fuck? No, Frank Zappa didn't say that. And he's like, no, I want that energy. I want that juice. You gotta give me that juice. And I can't get it from you if you spend all day in the studio yeah i mean re recording music live is kind of cool you know because you capture a, a an energy between everybody at the same time that you can't really get when you just multi-track and overdub yeah i think another one yeah. duke ellington money jungle yeah money jungle great oh, amazing God. jazz album. i i personally have taken a lot of influence from you know the beginning of uh you know charles mingus just doing some extended technique and i was like hmm that's interesting maybe maybe i can do that on my guitar and i, I don't want to say anymore because this new record's not out yet but <laughs> <laughs> that's but that's a yeah that's a really cool record that's just you know those it's just you know heavyweights mm, yeah I really like Charles Mingus. Yeah, a funny story, Gareth, for you specifically. A lot of people talk about Duke Ellington, who's obviously like the greatest jazz mind that's ever lived. Like it's it's Kim Miles and Charlie and a type. He was a he was a bad motherfucker. But there's so many people who don't actually listen to his music, which is such a goddamn shame because it's like it's so different. He cut literally over a hundred records and barely two of them sound alike. It's so fucking wild. True. Very true. Okay. He did a lot of work. Okay, I'll check out Money Money Jungle. Okay. Let, Money Jungle's a great uh, another one. I mean, you know, again, each of us has different favorites or whatever, but uh, one one that I really love is uh, Bill Evans' Explorations in Jazz. Which oh, came God, out, yeah, he's yeah, it was on Riverside, came out in 1959, I believe, uh, right after he was he recorded with Miles on Kind of Blue. And mm -hmm. it, it's one of the greatest trio records, which you know is a big inspiration for the way we play together, too. They're kind of playing all together, but they sound like they're not playing all together, especially for the you know, yeah, I mean, any trio records, pretty cool. It, Strip down, you know. Yeah, the cool thing about trios is that you just kind of keep passing the baton around. It's yeah. like all kinds of cool shit happen. Cool. Yeah, Bill Evans is probably either the best or the second best jazz pianist who's lived. He's just, and that my uh, my roommate, who's a, who's a jazz musician, is the one who. Um, so obviously, I I knew Bill Evans because he played with Miles and all that kind of stuff, but I never actually sat down with that record. And he forced me to listen to it. And then when it finished, he immediately put it on again. And I was like, wait, don't. Oh, wait, no, it's beautiful. Yeah, no, this is fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, Bill, yeah, Bill Bill was definitely a, a deep cat. I got one for you, uh, Gareth. Um, okay, yeah, go ahead. This one is like not, like, it's not really a classic, I wouldn't say. But it's, it's something that I've been listening to a lot lately is uh, Ornette Coleman's Skies of America. Okay. And this is like, it's just got such a dystopian vibe. It's more like kind of an orchestral arrangement with jazz band accompaniment. Mm -hmm. But 
Yeah, it's really cool. It's really wild. And I, I, as soon as I heard it, I was like, I've never heard anything like this. Yeah, he's got like re- written out string arrangements and then with he, brass. And yeah, stuff, yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, exactly. Orchestral cool. arrangements rather. And then a rhythm section that's kind of just just going for it underneath it all. You know? It's really out. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Not what cool. you do. I mean, something you expect from him, but not, and you're still, but you're still like, well. <laughs> <laughs> That's one I haven't heard, so I'm going to have to, I was like, is that yeah, that's what I meant. It's, I got... it's not a well-known one. It's Ornette Coleman and the London Symphony. Wow. Well, that's, that's going to be my afternoon then, is okay. tracking yeah. down some 70s Ornette. Yeah, you're going to okay. dig it. Yeah, total 70s. I will check that one out. I'll check all of those out. And people at home should check them out too. Cause, you know. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... you know, people that are listening to your channel and listen, you know, I presume they're mostly heavy metal guys and girls. Mm-hmm. No, no, They girls. should just listen to what we tell them. <laughs> because, you know, I think jazz has a, a bit of a stigma to it that it's you know, nerdy or, you know, for old people or whatever. And I think it's probably because they only hear garbage. Yeah. So just listen to what, you know, uh, Langdon tells you to listen to. And you'll, you'll understand. Did he put you up to this? Is he even emailing you on the side or something? <laughs> you don't need to know about money passing hands. That's, that's not your business, Gareth. I think there's a lot of crossover, you know, and... I think people just might get a little intimidated by, you know, what probably sucks anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, let's, let's let you guys, uh, you've talked verbally, let's let you talk with your music to Sounds play good. out for, for, the, uh, for the thing. So, so pick, a, pick a song you've done, any song that would like be your, Anyone's gonna get the introduction introduction to Far Luxury, then this is the song. Uh let's go with Cosmopolis. Cosmopolis off yeah. new album. Off Vile Luxury. Yep. Cool. From Gilead Media and Throat Runer Records. Yep. Both amazing. Gilead is absolutely one of the like four or five labels that are like in this show's canon. Oh god, yeah. Uh, yeah. Adam actually recently felt the need to disavow any like business ties to me on Twitter because he's like, this guy keeps giving rave reviews to records I put out, and I just want everyone to know I'm not paying him. He just, I just want that to be clear. These are legit, and I'm surprised every time too. And I'm like, dog, you just keep putting out tight records. That's not my problem. Well, I'm not Adam, to blame. <laughs> Adam, Adam's got good taste, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So th- th- there's like a bunch of. Out record labels and Gilead is one of them, and twenty bucks spin is probably another. There's like obviously someone's got amazing taste, and that's why every song they put out, every album they put out is great. And um, yeah, Gilead is definitely one of them. Um, And just just to note, you this was named after Cosmopolis the book, not the terrible terrible film, right? Yes. Okay. Good. The film's based on the book. And it's awful. The book it's is not it. awful. It's just not as good as the book. Damn. <laughs> no, uh, no the, the film is genuinely a terrible, terrible film. Book? How are you going to make Delillo into a movie? Like, it, that's. You don't. That's the point. You, 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 
you know not to do it, therefore you don't do it, and then you don't fuck up. To be like, fair, we haven't made a bad DeLillo movie because we follow that edict, so... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't make DeLillo films. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this is Cosmopolis of Vile Luxuries, uh, of Imperial Triumphant's Vile Luxury, and it fucking rules. Check these guys out. West Coast Tour and European Tour coming soon. And it sounds like a new album come in at some point in the future. But, you know, you, you guys can take as long as you need. We've got enough. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us, man. Yeah, Absolutely. No it, was, it was an absolute honor. Like, yeah. It's our, it's our pleasure. Cool. So here's Cosmopolis. <laughs> 